Well, hi, welcome to the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Mark Raven, uh, Senior Advisor with Kinexus. We're joined today by Chris Burnham. He's one of the newer members of the team. I've known Chris for a while, and we're going to have a chance to talk with him as we have with other team members. We're going to combine two episodes here. We've done some podcasts on the theme of why did you join Kinexus, and then we've done some episodes about what do you do here. We're going to do both today with Chris. So, Chris, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm, I'm well, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be here on the podcast, and I know you're happy to be at Kinexus. And you've got a, a, you know, a unique background and story and history with Kinexus before um, joining as an employee. Do you want to tell that story? And, and Chris blogged about it also, but we'll link to that. But here we have a chance to hear a directly from him. What's, what was your story? Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Uh, especially when it comes about my career and my relationship with Kinexus. Uh, I've had the benefit of learning, practicing, and teaching continuous improvement for the better part of almost 20 years now. That's a little difficult for me to say, a little gray in the temples, but um, I, it's from my first days when I was exposed to it as a frontline operations manager uh, at a contract manufacturing company in Charlotte and being able to see firsthand I guess the transformational power of how just lean as a people operating system works. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't tool based. It was just idea based. It's really, how do you celebrate the ideas of folks? And even at that level uh, at the front line, I felt like my responsibility was to make it to where people could share their ideas when an idea came in to make sure that it was routed rapidly to the somebody that could take action on it. And in that environment, normally it was my manufacturing engineer who I shared a cubicle with. Uh, and then having a bias for action, like, so the employee sees the work in their suggestion and they have input and they've got uh, the, they see firsthand their idea coming to life in their, in their workspace. And I, you know, I, it's, it's addictive once you get used to it. And, uh, you know, once you work in an environment with lean principles at work, you never want to work anywhere else uh, or, or in an environment without one. And so I really realized the power of continuous improvement is something that um, it, it helped people and teams be the best versions of themselves. So the last three years of my career, I was focused on leading a team, a global team, uh, responsible for an employee-driven continuous improvement program, or bottom-up, as some people would call. And I was fortunate to have uh, support and accountability to the C-suite. Uh, it was, you know, they, they were. He was very interested in what I was doing and and why I was doing. And the questions never at, was about me. It was talk to tell me a story about, you know, an improvement that was done in France or that was done in Cork, Ireland, or that was done in Chicago. Uh, and being able to tell him those stories, it's a powerful uh, tool for being able to share continuous improvement as a, as a cultural piggyback. And when I was tasked with that program, uh, I'd been friends with Greg Jacobson since and uh, the team at Kinexus since 2014. Uh, I actually produced a podcast episode with Greg uh, for my podcast and the Lean Leadership Podcast. And we've stayed in close touch throughout the years. I've I've gone to Greg and Jeff and, and, and you for advice on uh, 
the I guess the tactical and strategic pieces of how to run a successful continuous improvement program. So when I was given the opportunity to lead this global team uh, at my last employer, uh, I reached out immediately because I knew this is what the technology piece for this is. And it allowed me the bandwidth to then be focused on the people and the process and not being having to worry about the communication, the reporting, uh, being having a bunch of people entering data into Excel spreadsheets and sending it across. Um, and it, it, I was able to focus on the work and focus on the people. Uh, so the company that I worked for went through a merger and acquisition. And as that, as that happens, I found myself uh, on, with an opportunity to explore uh, some new opportunities, some new things. And I picked up the phone and I, the first person I called was Jeff because I know that uh, Kinexus has uh, relationships with companies that are doing good work and really transformational work. And, you know, we just had a, a brief conversation. I gave him an update on, on where I was going and what I was doing. And uh, a few days later, he calls me back and says, have you thought about working here? And really, I hadn't. Uh, you know, I know that it, it was a unique situation for me and for them at the, uh, and for the company as well, because I've used the product in, in that environment. But then also I've got that 20 years of experience with continuous improvement, lean and six Sigma that uh, just allowed me to, uh, to see things from a different point of view and be able to really add value to the company and add value to the clients. Um, and I, I'm at a point in my career where it's important to me that I'm doing good work or work that benefits folks and in society. And the mission of Kinexus of spreading continuous improvement is a, it's a noble one. And it's one that's goes with my life's work. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's great to hear the story of how like reaching out to do some networking led to something, you know, unexpected and, you know, altogether good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, but I remember the early conversations it was um, it, that we had. It was, guys, I'm a fan and I'm going to be a supporter of this no matter what. And I think um, that spirit of transparency and um, having a shared vision, really, it, it worked out well. And um, we, we talked about kind of what, what, what would it look like for Chris to work at Kinexus? How, uh, what would that work be and how would we do that? And really the focus was how do we add value to our clients and helping them understand that delicate balance around continuous improvement, uh, leadership, uh, and then technology. And I've got a differing perspective that I can talk about that. And then also talk in the first person from a voice of the customer experience with Kinexus but really helping, helping our clients and our internal team uh, be the best versions of them, be the best versions of themselves, and experience that. If I have to, I know it sounds hokey, but experience that emotional satisfaction that I had as a young operations manager twenty years ago. Like, like it, when when you see it, it's like this is really cool, and it's a team effort. It's not, uh, no one gets to pat themselves on the back. There's always someone else patting you on the back. And that's the same kind of uh, camaraderie and culture that I've experienced in my short time at Kinexus as, a, as an employee. Yeah. And in introducing you, I failed to mention or ask. So I'll just ask, what, what's your job title here at Kinexus? 
my job title is Senior Lean Strategy Director. And there's kind of a unique opportunity. Maybe you can talk more about that role. You know, that, that's a title that didn't exist. You've got the opportunity to kind of define this as you go. I'm sure there's, there's an in, initial hypothesis about what the role will be. Can you share more about that? Yeah. So I, uh, it, it was a new role. And so I feel like I've got an added responsibility being the first person to sit in that chair to, to put it in the right direction for future people that would have an opportunity to sit in that chair, but, uh, or more likely stand in that space. Cause we're a pretty dynamic company. We operate at a pretty high level of, of execution, but, uh, with that role, it's really being a credible advisor to our customers about, um, how they're using the product, what problem are they trying to solve with our product and, and validating that we've got uh, the right pieces and elements around their use case and their the solution that we're applying for them that makes them effective. And then uh, probably one of the biggest things that's, that stood out to me in, in, the, in the interactions that I've been able to have is just helping them understand the need for simplicity when you, I mean, the, the product is dynamic and we can do a lot of great and different things, but how do we keep it simple for the person at the front line that has an idea that wants to share? If it's a, if that's their use case, if it's project management, how do we, uh, how do we make sure that the communication, collaboration, and information that you need is in the right place and it's accessible? Um, if it's a tiered huddle strategy or a stat, you know, status at a glance. Status at a glance is status at a glance. You want to be able to look at it, understand it, comprehend comprehend it, and then allow the the, the normal, the, the automatic functions of your brain tell you if you're in a good or a bad place and if you need to jump into problem-solving mode or if you just need to be in awareness mode. Uh, and simplicity is a key element of all of that in the work that we do. And, I, you know, you're so uniquely positioned um, with your lean and continuous improvement experience your experience as a Kinexus customer and the roles you've had, you're going to be talking to people who I think are going to appreciate, hey, Chris has been in my shoes in a number of different ways. I think that's going to be really helpful. Yeah, I I think that actually make gives me an ability to be an empathic listener. And when I'm when I'm having these conversations with people about uh, the challenges that they're facing with their continuous improvement program. Uh, I, I understand it at a frontline level. I understand it at a, uh, a mid-manager level. I understand it at a, glo- at a global or a system level. And I'm able to, ha- I think that's one of the things that I love about this work is that um, your experience is, uh, I don't like using the word expert. I just, I'm experienced. I've, I've, I've gone through something similar to that. And I see my role as being able to connect uh, the person with that problem with someone who's got the experience to be able to solve their problem or have the solution uh, to, to get them to that next step. Um, but with with CI work, you've never solved a problem. You've solved that version of the problem. And then if you do the, the Deming cycle or the PDSA cycle where or, or Kata, whatever whatever improvement methodology you use, you reexamine it. And, and, and if you really focus on it, the next improvement prevents, presents itself and you've got an, another opportunity to, to really um, take things to the next level. I think uh, 
Stephen Johnson talks about it in his TED Talk. Uh, it's the adjacent possible. Uh, you know, solving this problem gets you to the adjacent pro- possible of the next iteration. And as as organizations are iterating, um, I, I don't know, I don't know if it falls in the category of Freudian slip, but you almost said prevent improvement instead of I think you said present. Uh, improvements. Um, what, what types of things in your experience prevent improvement and, and how, you know, will you in this role and, and Kinexus work with people to try to help get rid of some of those barriers to improvement and the barriers to building a culture of improvement? So it, the problem is multifaceted and it, and it presents itself in a lot of different ways at different levels. At the front line, the two main reasons that people don't share their ideas is they have a um, psychological safety. Uh, if I share an idea, then I'm going to get more work or I'm going to be seen as complaining or uh, my manager is going to uh, give, give me a, additional work on top of the work that I already have to do. So there's a safety element or component of not wanting to share because of just preservation. Um, the, the other thing is futility. Um, I think it was you that I actually heard this from and I've used it a lot in my uh, in, in my my work is that um, employee ideas and suggestion box systems can be places where good ideas go to die. Uh, I think, I I think that the appropriate credit is to you on that, but um, futility, you know, in the work that I've done, I can remember countless conversations where I'm having conversations, you know, meaningful conversations with frontline employees and say, Hey, it's a great idea. You should share that. And they said, well, I've, I've, I've told somebody that and they didn't do anything with it and I don't want to waste my time again. So that's on the front line. I think at the, as you go further up, um, it, it, it presents itself in a couple of different ways. Continuous improvement work is not, like improvement work is not something you can delegate. You have to participate in. Uh, and, the, and that's one of the elements of a successful CI culture is that it's leader led. Um, and from the C-suite makes it really powerful. And when, and when it's leader led from the C-suite, the leader states, I am going to be participating in this and I expect you to be participating in it as well. Let's do this together. I'm not doing it to you. I'm not delegating it to you. Um, and so that's, that's one aspect to it. So if you look at your leadership uh, structure is, uh, are you delegating your relationships and your improvement work to someone else? And that that's not an effective recipe. Uh, and then I think the last thing is around technology uh, is, and it does, I work for a technology company, but I would just, anybody that's listening to this, and obviously I have a favorite, but you have to have some component of how you organize, how you share, how you collaborate, how you communicate, uh, and technology, if we didn't learn anything in 2020 in the last year with the pandemic, it's your technology as a collaborative enabler uh, plays a critical role in the work that you do. And it allows us to shift to a mindset of results are more important than location. Uh, but that focus on the results uh, helps from there. But oftentimes, I, the, one of the problem, basic problems that I see is that we're, allow, we're allowing the technology to dictate the way that we're trying to solve a problem rather than let's dictate how we solve the problem and, and our solution and then find technology that 
augments that and 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 increases that our ability to to do that. And that's why um, that's one of the attractive things to me about Kinexus is that um, we have a lot of different use cases. But the only use case that we're going to uh, work on with you is the one that solves your problem. We don't have a technology that's going and hunt hunting hunting for problems to solve. Yeah. That's all really uh, well said. And um, just to go back, give uh, a couple verbal footnotes. Um, when you talk about uh, fear or the lack of psychological safety, you know, I think of uh, Professor Amy Edmondson and would encourage people to, to check out uh, her work. Uh, a, a book called The Fearless Organization is really good. And then when it comes to futility, um, it was actually a professor from UT Austin Ethan Burris, did you see him speak at one of the Kinexus user conferences? I, I did at, at the user conference, yes. Yeah, or uh, Kinexicon, as we call it now. And we're going to do that again in person Kinexicon. in 2022. But um, Ethan Burris, um, and, and, and I can put links to this in the notes, you know, he's done that research. And bigger than the fear factor is the futility factor. And you sum that up really well. So we don't want people to have that futility like they get with a, a suggestion box, the other phrase you used, you know, where good ideas go to die. I mean, I, I use that a lot. It was one of my clients in West Texas, um, in the Midland Odessa area years ago, who um, in, in, in just such a great drawn out drawl kind of way, <laughs> she said, good, I, I, I got, yeah, I'll try it. You know, good ideas go to die. You know, and for emphasis, the word "die" must have lasted I, ten I, seconds, or at least. <laughs> I could seemed. almost hear the eagle scream, and then see the idea roll by uh, like a tumbleweed <laughs> beside a, a, a cattle skull. Right there, when you say that, there are buzzards circling over your suggestion box <laughs> if you have one. <laughs> so, uh, well, Chris, that's the other thing is that you know you see suggestion boxes with a with a lock on them. Why? Yeah. Like, what, uh, are, are, are they going to, should you be afraid of them? Are they going to get out and go improve themselves? Are they getting stolen? You, you know, I, why? Yeah. We are birds and a fe- birds of a feather, whether it's eagles or buzzards. No, we're just birds. We're birds who, two birds who love continuous improvement. We, we appreciate the challenges and the uh, futility of suggestion boxes. So Chris, I'm, I'm really glad that you're bringing that experience to Kinexus as, uh, as an employee now, and, and there's going to be a lot of great growth ahead. Um, you mentioned the podcast earlier before we wrap up, um, give, give a plug for the name again, because you've started doing new episodes. So please, I, we want it, people it to go listen to that. Lean leadership pod- yeah. It's the lean leadership podcast. Uh, it is a weekly um, usually somewhere around 20 to 40 minute type podcast. I, I used to think to myself, I want my podcast episodes to fit within the commute uh, that someone has. Uh, that's changed now. I really want you to be out exercising and put your AirPod in and, and listen to some great content about um, the, the, the leaders in this thing that we call continuous improvement that are the thought leaders that are uh, that, that are that have done the work, that have experienced the setbacks, but that have success stories and that are passionate about that. Uh, my goal for starting the podcast uh, when I did it uh, five years ago uh, or six years ago now is uh, the idea of um, being someone that can connect to someone else in the community and uh, and be able to share ideas and to be able to listen because we all 
we all experience similar challenges, I think, uh, by hearing a diversity of thought and ideas the best ideas tend to win out and they tend to help us uh, be successful in what we do. Um, Mark, I wouldn't be true to my podcast roots uh, if I didn't try to put the, the the hat of the host on for a moment. I know we talked about why I joined Kinexus, but uh, recently you wrote a blog post and a release about you had your 10-year anniversary at Kinexus. So turning the tables here a little bit, can you share with the listeners and the people viewing of, of why you joined Kinexus? And, and to that end, 10 years later, you're still here. And uh, if you could share with us why. I will. And they call this in the radio business a tease. I guess it also applies in podcasting in an upcoming episode of the podcast. We are going to do that. We're going to turn the tables and, and have that discussion. So uh, please stay tuned. If, if you're listening for the first time and you want to hear my story and some reflections over those 10 years, uh, please do subscribe or follow and um, check out that episode. So yeah, Chris, you'll, you'll turn the tables on me and um, you know, look forward to hearing your voice here in the Kinexus podcast in different ways, more so um, uh, in, different, you know, uh, in, the, in the future as you continue your own podcast. So th- thanks for joining us today. We'll we'll be right back to do that next episode. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. To learn more about Kinexus, the company, our software, and our team, you can go to www.kinexus.com. That's K-A-I-N-E-X-U-S.com.